Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Spark Your Fire. We're back on our Friday segments again. Anyway, gents, uh, Jazz, how are you doing? Yeah, really good, man. Happy Friday once again. Happy Friday. Good to see you guys. Love you all. As always. As always. <laughs> and uh, we got John here back with us this week. Hi there, David. Hi, Jazz. Happy Friday to you both as well. Yeah, we, we, we didn't really miss you last week. We had a good <laughs> two-sum instead of three-sum. <laughs> <laughs> That sounds extre- extremely creepy and gross. <laughs> as long as you're jealous. <laughs> oh, we've gone to a dark place already, guys. I'm excited about this one. And it's only about a few minutes in at the moment, right? And then you already started on that. Gosh. Jazz is <laughs> in a playful mood. <laughs> All right. Well, gents, there's a few topics we want to cover today, but uh, I guess that's a start at honing in by talking about the Fed or the FOMC. It's a new word I learned today, actually. Um, apparently, it stands for Fed Open Market Committee. Um, had a meeting. They obviously made some announcements uh, earlier this week. And um, um, and I thought, um, you know, I, I know Jazz and John, you guys are obviously closer, closely monitoring these uh, these type of updates from FOMC. So um, I might just uh, hand it over to you in terms of what, uh, what they have spoke about this week in terms of the outcome. It's a bit... I think it's a bit like our RBA announcement to, to in, in terms of my understanding, but FOMC itself is slightly different structure. <laughs> so yeah, I'll yeah. let John explain that, mate. I'll let, I'll let you explain that. Well, well yeah, so they had their uh, widely anticipated Federal Reserve FOMC meeting on the 3rd. Uh, that's Wednesday night our time. And uh, so that the, the big announcement that came out of the uh, that meeting was that they were going to begin the taper, the taper, So, uh, which is which doesn't mean that they're going to put interest rates up. We'll, we'll come to that. But it means that they're going to sort of rein in the uh, the QE, the quantitative easing. So what, what uh, the Fed is doing at the moment is they're buying $100 billion worth of treasuries every month and $40 billion worth of uh, mortgage-backed securities. And by the way, like back in 2008, when the, the unprecedented uh, stimulus w- was happening. It was about forty billion all up. Now it's about one hundred and forty billion. So we've gone full insane. Uh, but uh, so one hundred one hundred uh, billion treasuries, forty billion mortgage backed securities, and what? And this I think has been lost. Uh, I guess in the media, but not by the not by the markets. The markets get this. Um, what they've said is that they're going to reduce from 100 billion down to 90 billion of treasuries, and from 40 to I think 35 billion a month. So they are going to start, and they're going to start this month. So the November purchases will will go down. Now, the catch is that what they've said is that they're going to reduce the minimum purchases, not the maximum purchases. The minimum purchases. So there is still no ceiling. On the amount of assets that the um, the Fed can purchase, only a floor to the minimum they can purchase. So I think you know. So that there was all this concern about this is the the beginning of the taper, and back in two thousand and I think thirteen they had the tamper tantrum, the ta- taper tantrum. I think this is what what I'm going to call it a token taper. I don't think this is a real taper. I think this is a, a bollocks taper. Uh, they'll start doing it, but they'll ramp it up every now and then. Um, so uh, yeah, so we've got our token uh, token taper, uh, which is which you know if they're doing it genuinely, I'm in favour of it. But uh, but who knows? One thing I would say is that the bookies, the the uh, the betting markets, started pricing in the first rate increase in America from summer next year, which is like next this time next year, 2022. 
Then the Fed came out yesterday overnight and said that they're going to be patient. And so then the uh, gold and silver prices spiked again. The um, the uh, 10-year yield came back down. So they're going to going to be sending mixed messages for a long time. And I don't think interest rate increases are quite as imminent as people think, um, but they'll start tapering. Jazz, what do you reckon? Uh, I think with 15 billion tapering, how much of a difference does it make, to be honest, uh, when you don't really have any upper limit? Yeah. And that, and also on top of that, you can get started any anytime or whenever you want at a press of a button. Um, the more important thing I think is the economy overall is going to be very bullish coming into the next year with all these, uh, whether it's US, Europe, anywhere uh, with things opening up back to normal, people traveling, all that stuff. So I think I think uh, they they're probably looking at some of the inflation numbers and all as well. So and the fact that stock market held pretty strongly uh, tells you a lot as well. So mm. no surprises, no surprises over there. I think, I think, uh, I think the next year is going to be very bullish year in, in uh, terms of economic growth overall, in my mm. opinion. Well, one thing I think that I think um, the, the, the Fed and the RBA want inflation. I think that we, we kind of on our blogs and forums, we think that they're going to try to rein inflation in. No, they, they, the inflation is like a policy objective at this stage. Now they don't want hyperinflation and they don't want um, excessive inflation, but they do want inflation. And so what we think as, as consumers and as citizens is probably a, a, an uncomfortable level of inflation is what they want and need to deflate the value of all the debt that we have at the moment. So inflation is a policy goal. And, and that's why I think, you know, when we say they're going to start raising interest rates, not yet. They have to let the inflation burn itself out first. Um, so I think that that's interesting. And we're, we're getting sort of similar messages coming out of the RBA as well. Interest rate rise in US by this time next year, I think, I think, I think makes sense. And we'll probably see a maybe 25 basis point rate increase in Australia as well. Mm. Uh, but the actual rate rise, uh, whatever, 7,500 uh, basis point won't happen till 2023. And that will be where somewhere the cycle will start to top out, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't think that they're going to do anything next year. I think that they'll talk about it. I think it'll be imminent and around the corner, but I don't think they're going to raise uh, rates. What I think was more likely is I think that there, there could be a, a deflationary event like a stock market crash or, a, or a, another COVID um, uh, variant that sort of um, derails the tightening rhetoric derails the tightening story so i don't think that they're going to do it until maybe the, the year after but um it's very hard to go down from here though isn't it i mean a betting man would say at least uh, you know maybe we don't know when but up is the next move i'm pretty bullish next year on the economy overall to be honest i think i think we're going to see some great numbers coming out of both us and australia in my opinion yeah, and I think that's in line with what uh, the RBA is also predicting at this point in time, right? Because um, they've um, they've had their uh, their November meeting this month uh, on Tuesday, the Cup Day, as well. Um, and uh, yeah, they've uh, they've came out, um, you know, to no one's surprise, no change to the cash rate 
at the moment. Um, so cash rate remains at the 0.1 or 10 basis point. Um, and they will continue to purchase the government securities at the rate of $4 billion a week until at least mid-February 2022. So that's until February 2022 next year. And they will discontinue the target of 10 basis points for the April 2024 Australian government bond purchase, which is exactly what we, Jazz and I, were covered covering last week uh, with the two and three years Australian bond yield spiking like crazy um, towards uh, Friday last week because of the fact that RBA has decided that they're no longer going to purchase the bonds from a long-term perspective. So this is all in line. As a matter of fact, you know this this statement that's been published on November uh, is all is all in line with what we've uh, what we kind of addressed uh, last week um, in the sense that the same message with what the Fed just came out. You know they they are started to, I mean, the, 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 I mean, at least in my opinion, um, the indication here is they started to taper off to, to a degree uh, in terms of uh, buying these bonds. Um, and on the basis that the economy is going to rebound very quickly next year, uh, the central bank forecast for GDP growth of 5.5% and 2.5% over the following two years. So, you know, in particular, 2022 is the strong, is going to be the strong year. Um, and if that does happen, then, you know, Jazz, I guess what you were saying before, having that 25 basis point of rise on the cash rate could be something that's on the card for them to consider. Uh, but, you know, again, that's, that's bearing that everything is normal, normal. Um, and without another, you know, without another potential COVID hit or anything or like a deflationary event, like you said, John, um, yeah, that could, be, that could be on track by the sounds of it. And that's really just to test the waters to see how the market reacts basically mm. to that kind of rate rise. That doesn't mean that rates are going to rise next year or anything. Uh, but I'll I'll be I I'll be I, I'm more than seventy percent confident that we'll see rates start rising sometime mid twenty twenty three kind of thing. It's 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 all lining up. It's it's I I think 2023, 2024 is what we said where the property cycle will sort of close. Uh, and that's that will the reason for that will be is probably uh, a hundred basis point increase or a six to twelve months period in tw- during twenty twenty three and twenty twenty four kind of thing. I just got a I just got a Bloomberg uh, notification on my phone, which is very relevant to this conversation. So the, the RBA put a statement out ten minutes ago, and it said uh, the Bloomberg interpretation is that the RBA, RBA signals optimism in the economy while reinforcing that an interest rate hike is unlikely before 2024. Uh, we'll see. We'll see how it plays out. I, I think the fixed rates are sort of already telling the story. The fact that the banks have started raising the four-year and five-year fixed rates, it's already it's it's pretty clearly telling you a story. And the story is that yeah. the rates are going to rise somewhere around that period, in my opinion. Yeah. Oh, we'll see. What the the RBA is watching inflation, and and in their statement on uh, Melbourne Cup Day, they said um, in underlying inflation remains low. It remains uh, less than uh, in many other countries. Quote, um, not least because of the only modest uh, wages growth in Australia. So they're they're looking at underlying inflation, which of course strips out petrol prices and food prices, and they're saying inflation's only two point one percent on that basis. So that they're not they're not looking to they're not looking to raise rates. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, but you're right, Jazz. That they'll change. They can change their mind at any time. 
Yeah, I guess that's uh, they're, they're flexible in terms of um, in terms of the uh, policy making in, in in that instance. But um, yeah, I guess talking about fixed rates, yes, uh, you know we are starting to see. In fact, this week I think there's quite a number, quite a number of banks. Westpac, St George, um, you know Westpac Group basically have up have updated and increased their mid to long-term fixed rates, including two years all the way to five years. Now that's for home loans as well as investment loans. Um, and earlier today, CPA has also hiked uh, their um, fixed rates as, as across the whole range, as a matter of fact, from one year to five year. Um, and in general, I think that's about 0.2 to 0.3, 0.4% increase in the uh, mid to longer term. So that's quite a, uh, um, I guess, quite a clear indication in terms of, um, you know, a, a response to what the RBA statement that has made um, in that instance. The, the funding source is going to get more expensive as we move towards the 2024. Um, and that's why, um, I guess that's why they are, they are being preemptive and, um, and, and hiking that. Having said that, though, I mean, the longer term fixed rates at the moment, if you look at, I think it was five years, we're still looking at just uh, a bit over 3% at the moment, which still, it's, I mean, if you, if you look at it from a 10-year horizon, 3% is like nothing, seriously. Like, you know, there's people complaining to me already yeah. say, what, 3%? I say, guys, you gotta, you got to think from a longer term perspective. On average, the past average, uh, I think cash rate was about, what, 7%. Um, or something along that line, right? So, and the mortgage rate's usually about 2% on top of that. So, uh, you know, the fact that right now, if you're only talking about five years at 3%, that is still extremely cheap money in comparison to what we've seen before. Um, so I think the, the message here is for, you know, for those, for those people who are seeking home at the moment, if you haven't got a rate lock in place, put it in uh, really, because the rate lock is going to guarantee that you will, be able to get that uh, that rate that uh, you have applied at the time of the application. So you got to be quick. Um, speak to your broker or your bank about that. Uh, if you're fast enough, you might still be able to get it. Um, however, uh, at the moment, I think especially CBA, for example, they've made that announcement and they basically say it's effective immediately. They don't even give you a chance to actually yeah. say you know one day or two day that kind of stuff. It's basically says done. It's a done deal. If you haven't done the rate lock, unfortunately, you're going to be copying the higher one now so yeah so i'll suggest the message is uh, take action straight away if you haven't um, just to make sure that because uh, yeah, the fixed rates are looking like this is only the start of hiking uh is based on my understanding from a longer term fixed rate perspective but from a variable rate perspective and this is where it gets interesting uh we're not seeing much changes in variable rates as a matter of fact i think we're seeing some reduction in variable rates in in certain instances that might be because the the initial one year uh, funding is still relatively cheap, so that's why they can afford to uh, to reduce that a little bit to attract more businesses. Um, and um, and the gap at the moment between what you keep on variable and what you want to keep on a longer term, for example, a four or five years fixed rate, is starting to close. The gap is starting to close. So uh, yeah, it's an interesting. I think it's a very interesting stance that we're seeing at the moment. Uh, if, um, the, uh, even if CBA didn't give chance to the customers spark your fire did we we announced it <laughs> <laughs> i was waiting for that line to come out <laughs> yeah no, but but overall i think it's uh you know uh, I, I i think obviously the uh, based on our, our 
our sentiments, um, you know, it's unlikely that 2022, there will be much movements in terms of the official cash rate, which means variable rate might be the better bet at this point in time in the short term. Um, and potentially some hikes towards 23, but we're talking about very small. We're not talking about like one basis point or anything like that. So um, you never know. If you're betting men, would you be going with fixed rates at the moment, or would you be uh, would you be uh, sticking with the with the with the variable? Just because on a on an average long run, I think variable rate still wins out from history. Uh, what do you guys reckon? If if uh, again, this is not an investment advice or a financial yeah. advice, right? So, but. Uh, it comes down to the situation. If you're worried about 0.25 affecting your mortgage, fix is probably a better opportunity while you can, right? But generally, or long run, variable always wins. You cannot beat the banks unless um, you are uh, uh, a punter who's predicting the market. Uh, people like us who like to, who like to take bets, basically. Um, I don't think otherwise it's easy to to beat the banks or the analysts overall so um, it comes to the, it really comes down to the situation i think more than anything else and it's it also depends on where the prevailing winds are blowing so fixed is better when rates are rising and variable is better when rates are falling so if you take a view on that just just pick which one you think will happen and uh um and go with that i, I would i would also ask is um is now the time to be paying off principal? Like, or have we, you know, if, if you haven't been paying off any debt while interest rates are this low, have you have you missed a, a trick, missed an opportunity? When sure. is when is a bad time to be paying principal? <laughs> yeah, excellent. I, I agree. I agree. I always like to be paying something off. <laughs> yeah, to lower your overall risk, that's for sure. So, yeah. All right. Very good. Very good. Um, property data, start of the month. John, I think you've got some uh, property data that you can share with us and the uh, and and the uh, and the audience. What have you got for us for November? Absolutely, yeah. Well, first podcast of the month means uh, we've got property data for the previous previous period. Look, really good, um, really good uh, results all around. Um, it does sort of reinforce the perspective that the property market, while still rising, is sort of rising at a lower velocity. You know, the 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 peak insanity of the market was back in sort of. March and April, and here we are sort of wrapping up October and it's still going up, but these are sort of tolerable rates of growth. So overall, the market went up just under 1.5% for the month. It's still pretty high. It's still pretty high, um, but it was going up nearly 4% back in March. For the quarter, uh, for the September quarter, it went up by 4.6%. And annually, uh, national values uh, went up by nearly 22%, uh, which is insane. So the um, so to give you some sort of key markets, the best performing market uh, over the year has been Hobart, followed by Canberra, followed by Sydney. The best performing market over the the recent period is Brisbane, though. So if you look at the last month and quarter, it's it's the Brisbane story, the Brisbane show, uh, w- with places like. Uh, with Canberra pretty close behind uh, and, um, you know, Adelaide uh, doing well as well. But Brisbane's really just tearing it up at the moment, tearing it up at the moment. Um, Now, in terms of what that means, housing prices are out, housing price growth is outpacing wages growth by 12 to 1, which is a really, I mean, really, really high uh, and making it very difficult for people to get in. 
um, but that pace of growth is is easing. Um, the, the the other thing to, to note is that it's really all about um, uh, detached houses, or at least that's been the the story over the last twelve months. So housing. So if we say that the property prices are up around twenty two percent over the year, that's comprised of about thirty percent for houses and about fourteen percent for units. Um, so very much about uh, detached dwellings. Um, and the only other thing to note is that in October, there's been a bit of an explosion in um, listings. Explosion's too strong. A big increase in listings. So listings are back. Um, I suspect that it won't, in the grand scheme of things, they'll be low because uh, because we're going into Christmas. There's just not enough time to list a property now, but maybe Q1 next year will be will be uh, quite uh, quite strong in terms of available stock. Um, yeah, and it's it's uh, the the market is slowly normalising with the lockdowns uh, clearing up, and um, yeah, the the market the market's strong. Um, so what's just just one other thing within the within the data, and it probably opens up a, a conversation we can have, which is about regionals versus capital cities. So regionals have done very, very well. If we look at even the last month, they're still outperforming. So regionals did uh, 1.9% and capitals did 1.4%. So regionals are outperforming. There was an article in the uh, Financial Review during the week saying that now that lockdowns are over and people are going to come back to the cities, well, that that's that that in itself is a big assumption, but um, will capitals, will, will regional city or regional area property prices start to fall? What, what do you guys think? Uh, so that's interesting. It's something we discussed last week. <laughs> we did. Um, <laughs> I think fall is probably not the right word. I think the growth will slow down a bit with things opening up. Uh, obviously, people will be back in the city. Um, there will be obviously uh, more immigration and all that stuff that will happen. Yeah. Uh, so I think that will slow down the regional growth. But all in all, with the change in the corporate landscape uh, with working from home, uh, I think that will still have uh, the regional property stay in demand, uh, but the growth will slow down a bit. Just one point on the house versus wage um, ratio that you were talking about, John, 12 to mm-hmm. one. I think, I think that's very interesting. That's something to be watched next year to see how that plays out. Um, yeah, with, with all the supply chain problems, wages are rising quite quickly. I wonder if the data hasn't quite caught up with, with what's happening in the labour market because th- there's a, so many disruptions. What what I've seen and, and heard is that wages, that there's a sort of war for talent and that people can't find people and, and yeah. prices are going up. You know, you hear, you hear rumours about, you know, in the US, um, you, you need to pay people to come to a McDonald's interview. So I, I wonder if there, there is going to be that spiral up of, of wages. Now, it's all, always good to see wages go up, but um, if it's a response to inflation, it's not quite the standard of living increase that you'd hope it would be, but um, mm-hmm. but that is one to watch. You're right. Yeah, yeah that's uh, certainly I think wage growth at the moment is, uh, is, is typically what's going to follow after such a such a spike in the property prices, right? I think it's just it's a natural path when 
when health prices reach the point where affordability is beyond people's control, well, organically, yes, you're going to have to wait until the wage growth kicks in and uh, people are able to afford it again. And that affordability ratio comes down in order for people to be able to buy it and be able to gear up for ready for the next run. Um, but yeah, I'm also hearing the same, same similar type of stories as you do, John, uh, in regards to um, yeah, uh, empl- employees, you know, especially there's a shortage in terms of employees and even heard from graduates, um, you know, like people, people just obviously graduating from universities. And uh, this is from uh, like, you know, the big four accounting firms locally in Australia. Um, I'm, I'm, I've been hearing that uh, some of these new fresh graduates are being offered very, very strong salary packages, a lot stronger than what they used to see, of course, to be able to get the talent across the door, just because there's been a huge shortage uh, no immigrants to come in um, to be able to feel that. So the local local graduates at the moment are very are, pr- are proven to be very competitive uh, in that sense. So yeah, I think um, that'd be that'd be a good spark in terms of pushing the wage growth in the next few years. I hope. Mm-hmm. Good one. All right. Uh, anything else on property data, John? Anything else you want to share? Well, that's it. No, no, no. I think it all, you know, we're sort of wrapping this all up in a nice bow here. So we've got, you know, sort of interest rates going up in the next couple of years. We've got uh, property prices going up, but slowing down, at the, you know, the rate of increase slowing down. And, you know, the, the sort of the mid-decade, you know, end of this cycle just feels right. Um, but we'll, we'll sort of uh, see how it goes. But, you know, w- one thing I would say is we talk about all different asset classes on this podcast, which is about commodities, which is about crypto, um, we talk about uh, the stock market and all these sorts of things, but in a sense, you know, nothing f- f- for me, nothing beats the um, the performance of of the real estate market. I, I remember chatting to a a client who bought uh, a place at Paddington, a expensive um, terrace, and we we're talking about crypto. But he said, you know, at the end of the day, I, I, I was able to buy a property in Paddington with very little risk, um, and it's gone up. And imagine, you know, how would you know which cryptocurrency to buy to get those sorts of returns? So real, real estate's real estate's su- such a solid performer. Dogecoin. Eboino, whatever it's called. When, when, when's that gonna hit when is that gonna hit a dollar? <laughs> so, so anyway, I mean that's a good segue into crypto then, uh, because there has been a few interesting news uh, on that. So um, Jazz, do you wanna lead the way and share what's been happening? Mm. So I think the biggest piece of news uh, this week, especially uh, for the Australian listeners, is the Commonwealth Bank of Australia, which is the most reputed bank in Australia and probably around the world as well, to be honest. Uh, I think it was uh, formed in 1911 from memory. Uh, Customer base is roughly about 17, 18 million have decided to venture into crypto market. Uh, so they are going to allow their customers to buy, sell, hold crypto. Um, and they're integrating with uh, Gemini, which is a US uh, crypto exchange. Uh, one of the biggest ones, probably after Coinbase. Uh, it's a pretty big deal. I think, I think it changes the game altogether. Uh, I think even thinking about whether this is a legit asset class or not, if anyone still is trying to think about that, it's a waste of time now. It's uh, So all of a sudden, 17 million customers are going to have access to crypto through the CBA, NetBank, whatever, however they integrate with Gemini. So I think 
a very smart move played by CBA, to be honest. I think um, hats off to whoever the CEO is. I cannot remember who the CEO is. Common. Yeah, Matt. That's it. Uh, job well done, Matt, if you're listening to this podcast. <laughs> yeah, of course he is. Uh, so... so- so is it part of the, uh, the you know, if we we're thinking about the CBA apps, you've got the, um, the what's the CBA tra- yeah, for share trading? Comsec. Or, Comsec. Comsec, yeah. So is it, is it going to be part of Comsec or is it going to be part of the Commonwealth Bank? Uh, don't know. Uh, yeah. I'm assuming that it will, be, it will be integrated just like Comsec into your net bank where you'll be able to collect mm. on either net bank or Comsec or uh, buy crypto, whatever it is. And then you just, pick and choose whatever crypto you want to buy. Uh, so that's just the look and feel of it, more or less. But uh, I think it's a really smart move by Matt. Um, CB has always been uh, ahead of the other big three banks or the big four uh, in Australia. And I think they have proved themselves once again that they are ahead in terms of technology. It's definitely transforming because I think I think CBA always want to position themselves as a, as, as more of a digital leading digital technology platform than anything, and you know they spend they invest heavily uh, in terms of their app experiences and all that kind of stuff. So this is just like Facebook, you know, um, morphing into Meta. Um, you know, I think CBA would have something bigger in the back end as well, and cryptocurrency is just a small part which um, they're they're trialing and they're releasing to all the customers, given the fact that. Uh, how many? How many Aussies are punting in crypto? I think seventeen. Oh, sorry. Uh, what, what was the question, David? Uh, like what? I think is say say like how many people out of a hundred is like uh, investing in crypto? I think that's a pretty high percentage. I think it's one fourth. Yeah, so 25 percent. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're wrong, but I'm pretty sure the number is somewhere close to that from memory. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, what's what? Uh, what's Australia's population? Twenty five million? Twenty six million? Your take somewhere around that, um, and 17 million live on CBA. Uh, obviously, they are on other platforms as well, but 17 million is their customer base. That's what 70% of the population, or whatever that figure is. So, yeah, it's huge. Yeah, it's huge. So, big deal for Interestingly, Bank West, which is owned by Commonwealth Bank, have stopped holding safety deposit boxes as well, which is a way you store things like precious metals. So if they're, they're moving over, you know, if we're talking about storing wealth, they're, they're certainly moving in the direction of crypto and away from those sort of tangible versions of wealth. Yeah. Remember, John, there's a lot of gold in outer space. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it cost a fortune to mine it. So I'm feeling pretty safe at the moment. Not not, not the way Elon's going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true, true. Yeah, true. <laughs> Uh, but so, uh, jokes apart, that, I think that was a pretty big news in Australia. Um, the next piece of news is there were two crypto ETFs that were launched um, this month. And apparently uh, they had the high, they've broken the records in early trading in terms of the amount of money that has flown through those two ETFs in the first 15 minutes of its debut. And also within the, I mean, it's five days performance was I think around 25% or something, which in crypto land uh, doesn't surprise 25% up or down. It's a, it's a volatile market. So um, it's it's given, it's another channel for the money again to flow into the crypto space uh, where people who are not comfortable with 
holding the actual digital uh, digital assets or uh, creating an account with uh, these exchanges. Um, these ETFs allow them to pretty much uh, get exposure in a in a bit different way uh, through mining and through other crypto companies that are infrastructure companies that are in that space basically. So you're not holding the actual asset, but you are betting on the companies that are playing in that space with, with those ETFs. It's like Tesla holding Bitcoin to a degree, right? Exactly. If you buy Tesla, yeah. The third biggest piece of news in this space is a speculation that is going on that SEC in US will approve Bitcoin spot ETF by end of this year. And they are already working towards it. Some of the politicians are pushing pretty hard for it as well now that the uh, Bitcoin's future ETF has already been launched. And then there's CME futures as well. Both of them are naked, uh, but this one will be spot, which will allow you to hold the actual underlying so-called asset. So all in all, pretty bullish in this space and the space uh, to watch over the next few months to see what happens, how, how it pans out, I think. I think every week the crypto news just get better and better, to be honest. Um, you know, from remember from about six months ago when we uh, when every week it's probably likely you just have one or two pieces of news at most and they are kind of more like rumors and that type of stuff to now, you know, um, Coinbase, uh, you know, beta shares, having these ETS and officially now on ASX and that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's 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 amazing how uh, how quickly, you know, like you said last week, I think it was uh, 2021 is the year of crypto, yeah. basically. Uh, I think I think the other funny piece of news was the New York um, mayor. Uh, I think his name is Eric Adams. Is getting his first three paychecks in Bitcoin, so he's pro Bitcoin. He's getting That's his funny. paycheck in Bitcoin. Yep. So <laughs> a lot of fun stuff. <laughs> happening in this space. I think the overall, it's a very positive energy that's flowing into the space, which is good yeah. you want to see. Um, and likes of CBA, they don't, um, it's a reputed bank around the world. So when they start integrating with exchanges like Gemini, not much to add. People can make what they want to make of it. Good, okay. I think that's pretty much it for this week. Anything mm -hmm. else you guys wanna share? I don't know if John's got much to say on commodities, but I yeah, commodities actually. Yeah, John, anything, anything you want to touch on commodities? Uh, look, you know, the commodity market's waiting with bated breath uh, on every FOMC meeting and Fed chairman statement about where rates are going. So you know, they they zigzag through the week. They they've ended the week on a very strong note. Uh, they went up quite a lot yesterday, and they're up today. Um, so yeah, I mean, gold and silver are doing what gold and silver do, which is which is positive. Uh, uranium has been down, um, and the actually oil, which is the, which is for me, it's like the 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 numero uno commodity that you, that you guys need to watch. It did actually dip below eight um, eighty dollars on the news of the taper on the Wednesday, and actually shot up again yesterday. So it's still hovering hovering around eighty two, eighty three dollars, but it uh, it did it did dip a little bit there. Um, Commodities are, I think, are in a in a in a bullish super cycle that will play out over a decade rather than uh, week to week. So, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. I think I think it's holding pretty strong, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, right. Yeah, and I'll still stick to my guns that we have seen the bottom 
off gold. Yeah. But I think November is going to be really, yeah, I, th- I think that, I think I agree. I think the next year is going to be good for, for gold. And, uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll watch this space. To the listeners, a lot of the stuff discussed on this podcast is speculation. Please do your own research. Uh, none of this is investment or financial advice. Don't over leverage. Play safe. Stay safe. And we will see you guys next Friday with John, Jess, and David. Cheers. <laughs>